I hate to say it this way, and maybe I'm wrong. Somebody would probably disagree with me. The goal for me of mentors is to outgrow them. So I got, I look at people, I'm like, I want to learn everything you have. And then I want to be better than you or do better than you or do more than you. <laughs> and so like, I have to learn from you and then I have to kind of surpass you, leave you. And that's a hard thing because a mentorship in, inherently is like a very, it's like spiritual yeah. sort of, right? It's, it's intimate. It's, it's caring. It's supportive. And then you're like, okay, but see ya. Yeah. Everybody has a ceiling. Most people have a ceiling. Let's say that. I shouldn't say that everybody. For Most sure. people have a ceiling. And it's like, dude, if you get stuck with somebody that has a lower ceiling than you want, you can't, and you won't leave them. Like you can't, you're done. You, you've now put their ceiling on you. And so you have to look at somebody and say, I'm going to, I want to learn everything I can from you. But then also like, I want to become somebody that can do more. And any good mentor in the world is going to want that for you. They're going to want you to be yeah. better than, than they could be. Mm -hmm. That's why you got to find a mentor who has like an infinite ceiling, who's always trying to find a mentor <laughs> to mentor them. Josh, if you just talk that way to me and be like, I'm gonna try to outgrow you, bro. And it's like, you're never gonna be able to outgrow me, Josh. You're gonna be underneath me the whole, your whole life. That's just kidding. Up. Yeah, bro. Just kidding. Just kidding. Yeah, We're you just created a super villain just now. Do you know that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bro. We're going yeah. side by side. No, we're going side by side. Nah, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Hell no. You got messed up. You got messed, messed up. I messed up for myself. This is the no. last podcast ever. Yeah. Don't yeah. cut that. Don't you dare cut that. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Nigerians Podcast. My name is Jesse. My name is Josh. And today we're in Charlotte, North Carolina, inside Alex Felice's living room. What's up, Alex? How are you doing, man? What up? I'm very happy that you guys came to my house to record. This is very, this is nice. Dude, we didn't know if we were going to make it or not because I asked you last week and you were like, I'm at BPCon. And then we decided, oh, we're going to come back home because one of our podcasts just got canceled or one of our guests had canceled on us. So we decided to come back and on a whim, I just started texting you while we were driving. We were going through Georgia. And then all of a sudden, you're really quick on your phone. Like, yeah, well, I'm addicted to it. It's like he's always on there. So it's <laughs> like, hey, Alex, can I come through your place tomorrow? Let's film a podcast. It's like, hell Heck yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate being an afterthought. Oh, you're not an afterthought. <laughs> How are you an afterthought? No, you were on the top of my mind. How would I follow up yeah, with yeah. you? How would I know? This is, um, this is great. This is fun. It comes to me. This is nice. I could do this. This is, yeah. this is a good format. Dude, that's awesome. Thank you so much for yeah. having us being so hospitable, helping us set up. Yeah. You're I brought all the good lights too. Yeah. 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 We got better lights. This worked out. We got yeah. the best camera angles. Yeah. We got a custom table with yeah, zebra yeah. wood. Dude, your house is so sick. And it's dude, it's getting there. That is so dope. It's getting there, yeah. Out of, out of all the sets, this is the best by far. Yeah, so it's interesting. We wanted, well, this house, when we bought it, we said, okay, first it's going to be an Airbnb later. And we like, our Airbnb used to be ridiculous. Um, two, my lovely girlfriend, uh, Miss Kate, and I are just ridiculous. Um sort of personalities in general. So everything we wanted everything to be really loud. But I knew there was gonna be filming in here a lot. I do YouTube. Um, I'm a camera guy. Like I knew I was gonna be doing a lot of media in here. And I was like, I want every angle of this house to be extremely photogenic. And so no matter the room, no matter the angle, no matter the time of day, I wanted it to be like, oh, that's what that's a set. Would you call yourself eccentric to a certain extent? I would hope to live up to the term. <laughs> okay. I think you do. Yeah, you do. I appreciate it. I'm working on it. You're probably the most eccentric guy that I met in Maui. And you weren't even part of that in that mastermind. That was awesome, man. Yeah, well, to be fair, the entrepreneur world, I'm so sorry, is exclusively, it's reserved for the most boring of people. The most boring of people. Yeah, almost exclusively, yeah. Because, you know, business is like, it's either sales or systems. 
And yeah. neither of them are like inherently, and even sales is sort of a system, right? Yeah. And, and, yeah. and business-minded people, and I sort of think I'm an analytic first, um, it's always like, how can I design, a, how can I make this efficient? And so maximalist, artistic, you know, design sense is not, um, it's not efficient. Yeah. Right? It's not even supposed to be efficient. It's supposed to be like, this is weird. This is not an efficient table. Yeah. Right? This, is, this was designed out of me and my buddy sat there for three days and made it together out of love. Yeah. Right? So the business people are generally, yeah, they're super boring. It's like the most- <laughs> I don't fit in. <laughs> yeah. The most, the most creative and exciting parts of business, people always say that it's not the most scalable, which is true. But at the same time, it's like, that's what we like. That's what we enjoy. That's what keeps us going. That's where we find our passion. Right? What does that mean? It's not the most scalable. Um, when somebody say that, okay, being creative or being the visionary, it's like the entire thing relies upon you. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. One thought. And it's like, well, being scalable, like you say, is boring. And it's one of those things that, you know, if you want to create a really successful business, really big business, like a Jeff, Jeffrey Bezos style of business, then it's like, yeah, you need all these different people, different systems. And it's like, it's boring at that point, but you know, compared to the business that runs out of its garage in a startup phase, it's super chaotic. I think that's the most fun. I don't know. Like right now, like my partner and I are having like the most fun out in our entire lives doing the chase. Sure. It's the, it's the chase. And once you are not necessarily chasing and hustling anymore and everything's very system and uh, meeting oriented and people start wearing suits or being more uh, formal about it, I think it starts losing its charm the same way that you say. Yeah, uh, there's a creative aspect to building something. And once you, like I said, uh, a lot of people I know, they, they're into the systems and they want to build something with the idea of systemizing it from the very start. And I'm, I'm sort of just talking shit, right? Like there is a very creative pro uh, process that is required to build, whether it's a company or, or talking to people or a culture. Um, but I do find, I just, I guess my comment was more about, um, like you said, suits. Right. I mean, yeah. depending on which conference I go to, generally it's a lot of um, it's a lot of muted, sort of outward personalities. Yeah, for sure. All right. So I really want to dive down deeper, get to know who you are, Alex. Because I mean, I sat with you at dinner like the, la the last night of the Maui Mastermind, and I I got a taste of um, a bit of you on <laughs> to the tip of my tongue, and that's when I was just like, oh, I want to pursue this guy. He's on the East Coast, just like me. I'm so yeah. glad. I, this was a lot sooner than I thought. We're gonna get to Where do you live? Where are you uh, from? Delaware. Oh, okay, not so far. I mean, this is nine hours. Yeah, yeah. You're, well, you're, not, you're not in Raleigh. Raleigh I'm a world like, traveler, bro. Nine hours is easy. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, I don't think you're gonna take a plane into Philly to come visit us in Delaware. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, Maui was an interesting mix because I was there hanging out with you guys, but I wasn't there as the, as the mastermind. I was there as this photographer, and mm. you know, we can kind of touch into that, but I've, you know, I'm a powered networker. I don't actually know what to do with it, but I know I have more resources and, and, and like people on my, in my corner, in my, in my Rolodex than I know what to do with. But the camera gets me in into yeah. so many places. And then, you know, all I have to do is meet somebody and I'm like, dude, then they find out I'm, I'm incredible. Yeah. <laughs> so have you ever had an experience where um, like you were just at a mastermind and you talk to a guy and you're like, oh yeah, I'm a cameraman. And then immediately they're like trying to figure out a way to exit the conversation because they didn't think that you could provide any value to them? Never. Never. Uh, actually, I find quite the opposite. Again, I think, you know, we all are in this real estate or, you know, entrepreneur, but a lot of it's, I mean, I don't know if you guys are, I assume you guys are mostly into real estate. Um, I find talking about real estate all the time boring. Oh, me too. Yeah. Right. 
100%. Right. That's why we're doing this podcast. Right. (laughs) You want to talk about people. We want to talk about people. We want to talk about life. We want to talk about what goes on in your mind because that's what the things we can't really see. Yeah. And so when I show up and I got a camera and like, dude, I hold my camera with confidence because I'm, I've been doing it a long time and I take great shots of people. And so when they see me and they're like, wait, why are you at this thing? And I don't act like a camera guy. Like the thing that separates me when I shoot events, um, as he knows is I'm sort of like in the mix. I'm not hanging out in the back sniping people, you know, like really scared or, or not, not at all. No, I'm not, I'm in the mix. I'm, I'm, he's networking. I'm networking and I know real estate. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, Oh, I speak your language fluently. I, I, I'm not the most successful real estate investor by any means, but like I've done enough to, um, to, to speak with the, speak the, the language very confidently. And so when somebody t- talks to me and you know, what do you do real estate, this and that. And they're like, well, what's with the camera? And I'm like, dude, I just, you just open up a can of worms that, um, People are way more, generally way more interested. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, it, what started out as like a hobby turned into, um, have you seen one of these, the cell phone thing? Yep. This internet fad, turns out this internet fad is not going away, boys. So like everybody now has Instagram, everybody. I mean, it sounds obvious, but like five years ago, they didn't all have Instagram. Everybody now is doing marketing on video. Camera people are, getting a, are starting to have a big premium. Right. So what started out as me, just like, oh, I'll just do this on the side because it's fun. Now people are like, how can I use you to do something that nobody else in the real estate industry can do? Because there's nobody else in the real estate industry that knows real estate at the level I know. Again, I'm not the best, but like I've done some multifamily deals, you know, as GP. Like I know the I know real estate really well. I've done bank underwriting, so I know the commercial lending side really well. And I know that camera really well. And so there's just nobody with that you know, unique combination of skills. So generally the opposite happens. Usually people are like, let's talk about cameras for a long time. I'm, I'm all of a sudden I'm interested. They're interested. <laughs> yeah. I think real estate people that you talk to also find real estate boring. They're yeah. just like, Oh, this I is mean, well, fr- that's the one thing with the with the mastermind events. It's almost like a breath of fresh air. Cause like, yeah, you're there to talk about real estate, but when you could just like not talk about it, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Relationships like relationships that aren't built, strictly on making money, not any real good relationships, not any relationships that you're going to remember in your life or the people that you think about on holidays or, you know, when something in your head like makes you think of a person, it's not like, oh yeah, I made that 10 grand, that 30 grand, that 50 grand of that person. It's like, that's not what makes you recall the moments in your life. It's like shared bonding experiences over generally like unique, um, like events. You know, we went on a freaking, ca- uh, catamaran together. Yeah. Right. It's like, dude, that's way cooler than any like single deal that I've done with anybody else. Like that's the stuff that you remember is these like, you know, snorkeling in Maui. Like I say, people bond over suffering and humor, not making money. No. Making money is for everybody is like, it's a medium. It's a vehicle. It's a tool. It's a resource, like all these things, but it is not, um, it's not a meaningful, there's not, there's not a philosophy, religion text that's like, oh, money's the important thing you need to focus on. Never, never has anybody written that. But suffering does, or money does lead to suffering or getting it, acquiring it does lead to a journey of suffering. If you go on it with other people, you know, it opens up that, those doors and it opens up those doors to a deeper, you know, much stronger bond. I feel that way with my business partner. Yeah. If you accomplish something with somebody that's difficult, then yeah, you bond. That's, mm-hmm. that's. Yeah. I was in the army. That's the whole vibe of the army. It's like, let's go do something miserable together and then we'll be best friends. Dude, can you give us your origin story? Yeah, You're just talking yeah. about like, oh man. So many going, things. So, so many. many different things. You're talking about you being in the army and then you do, being GP for real estate deals and then you're talking about underwriting. doing this. Underwriting. Yeah, Wait, I'm old, the, dude. I'm old. That's the you're problem. You're doing the camera stuff now? Yeah. Like, 
literally who are you <laughs> yeah um huh, that's funny uh i grew up in a small town i was an apathetic slacker with a bad attitude and i was going nowhere so let's see and then so i graduated in like i graduated in july of 2001 i turned 18 in august of 2001 30 days later september 11th happened and then october 25th i shipped off to the army wow and then the next year i was in afghanistan i did nine months in afghanistan oh my gosh yeah what was that like uh, a little war goes a long way. Didn't mess with your head? Yeah, of course. Um, it also, it was actually a very humbling experience because uh, those people are poor, real poor. And, you know, it's, war is like an interesting, that's a whole other podcast. It's, um, yeah, it changes you. You know, the military in general changes you, right? So I was 18. Uh, so I did that. I did two tours actually in Kabul, went to uh, South Korea. Went to a couple other places, Turkey. Um, got out, didn't know what to do with my life, had no skills. The army, like, dude, like, shooting guns is not a high-paying job. Nobody's gonna be like, you know what I mean? Like, nobody's like, oh, you, you, you can go be a, you can be a, go be a general contractor. So they're like, hey, you can come back and make a lot of money, but I didn't want to do that. So I basically just putzed around. I sold cars, which I sort of liked. I was good at. It taught me sales. Everybody needs to learn sales. Can, is that on me? Everybody needs to learn sales. Everybody needs to learn sales. <laughs> Everybody has to learn sales at some point in your life. <laughs> Mandatory. Absolutely. 100%. Before going to college, I'm going to tell my kids or like when my future kids, you need to learn sales. Like if you don't, you're going to get squashed. So. Yeah. I'm not even that good at it, but like you have to get reps in. You have to figure it out. You have to like get, get used to being uncomfortable, looking somebody in the face mm -hmm. and like talking about money and these uncomfortable things. And like, you know... You just have to learn sales. So I did that for a while and did like reasonably okay with it. But from 2005 to like 2011, I was basically just, I was basically just partying, being an alcoholic. That was not a good time. Selling cars, like just putzing around, doing what regular people do, right? Yeah. Um, which is fine. I, I know that story. That's why I feel like I can resonate with people because I was like a train wreck for so many years, you know? Yeah. And so I'm like, dude, I know what people go through. They go through this month to month, week to week, paycheck to paycheck. They can't wait for the Friday. And then whatever money they're making, they spend it on distraction, let's say. Everybody yeah. has a different vice, but it's distraction. And then, um, and then 2010, I got in trouble. And I was like, dude, I don't want to, I don't want to get in trouble. Uh, so I got in trouble, um, like handcuffs trouble. And I, I didn't have the money. I had made like a hundred grand that year, which was a lot for, you know, an idiot. And, <laughs> and I, um, and I didn't have the money to pay the legal bills, which were like not that much. And I had to like call my folks and, and they lent me some money and it all worked out. But I was like, my parents and I, we don't have like a super good relationship, like a super deep relationship. So it was not that comfortable to call them and ask them for, even it was, it was a couple grand. It wasn't much. Um, and I was like, dude, this can't happen. I can't be making money and then be pissing it away at such a frivolous rate. And then when I get in trouble, I'm like, there's nobody to blame but myself. And that's when everything really changed. That's when I was like, dude, the, the answer to life is radical responsibility. And then, so that was like, I was like 31. How old am I now? I'm 39. So it wasn't that long ago. Oh, wow. And that's when I was like, all right, I'm going to go gangbusters on, um, sorry, I'm going to go gangbusters on taking radical responsibility 
And like everything is growth mindset now. Whereas before it's just easy in life to do what your peers are doing. And if you don't choose your peers with extreme care, then you just get what they're sort of doing by default. And so everything turned into like this really, like everything became very deliberate and, you know, started saving money, started investing a little. 2014, real estate was really depressed, bought a bunch of houses. Easy. Yeah. Bought a bunch of houses. And then 2019, I bought a multifamily, a 24 unit in 2020, 2019, I bought a 24 unit in 2020. I bought a 52 unit. Yeah. Learned how to syndicate, uh, raised a million and a half dollars on a 300 person email list on my blog. Um, and then in 2021, uh, I didn't do that much real estate. And then 2022, this year, I basically decided I'm going to travel the world as a camera. So I, I did like 26, uh, 20 flights in North, in North America and five out of country flights I'll do. Inside of that story, what, what would you say were the several forks in the road that led you to where you are today? Because you mentioned when you were 31, you realized you were quote unquote like pissing your life away yeah. or you felt like, how did you come to that realization? Were you singing in a room? Were you getting a massage? Or were you at the beach? Or like literally like, how do you come to these thoughts, these deep, deep thoughts? Uh, you know, there's a saying, like a smart man learns from his mistakes. A, a wise man learns from other people's mistakes. It's very difficult to do that. The reality is most of the things that you're going to learn from are your own mistakes. And so I made mistakes. And when mistakes are painful, that's how people learn. That's how people really learn is pain. Pain? Yeah. Heck yeah. Pain. People, when things are easy, they're, they're not changing. It's when yeah. things are like, like you got to go borrow money or you can't pay your bills or you're at home stressed out and you're like, this is my fault. Um, so that was one of the big forks is uh, 2011. Another one was somebody I had a mentor. Dude, finding mentors is um, it's not an easy thing to do, but it can, it can really dramatically change your life. And I had a guy who said to me, I don't even remember who, he said, life's going to be easy when you do these three things. You need one hobby that makes you money. You need one hobby that keeps you in shape and you need one hobby that keeps you creative. And I, I, I'm a lifelong gym rat. I'm a little out of shape right now. I had real estate at the time and I always thought about these as hobbies, not, I'm not an entrepreneur. I don't consider myself an entrepreneur. Um, so I was never like, I'm going to be, I'm going to build this big empire. That was never it for me. It was always like, dude, I want freedom. I'm a free spirit through and through. Um, and I'm sort of deeply rebellious. So I want to live on my terms. So I don't have to answer to anybody else ever. Um, but I didn't have a creative thing and I never thought about myself as creative and I never considered myself. And I told people, I was like, oh, I'm not creative, which is um, in retrospect, really, really bad, negative self-talk. When you tell you, yourself yeah. that you are or aren't something, yeah. you're the one who believes it most. And so I told myself I wasn't creative and then I picked up a camera and I'm like, no, it's just in a way that I didn't realize before. And so I picked up the camera in like 2015 and, and it was kind of this idea. I'm like, I'm gonna buy rental real estate. I'm not gonna turn into a job. I'm not gonna get employees. So I'm gonna have a lot of free time. Yeah. So I'll start doing cameras and it shaped my life in ways that I, I just can't, you know, like yeah, I can't, yeah. I couldn't imagine um, what, what life would be like without my cameras now. Dude, everything that you spoke, I could literally relate to because those are all limiting beliefs that have helped me back from growing to the person that I really wanted to be. Like I literally grew up and I played ukulele or I played guitar. I self-taught all these things. I had like an interest 
in them, but I was never good. And because I was never good, I would never label myself as a musician or I would never label myself as a creative. And even to this day, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I have interest in cooking or I have interest in skateboarding and none of those things truly define me. But I learned that, oh, it's the same thing along that those lines of you're not, you're never successful unless you consider yourself successful. You can't be successful on other people's terms. So in the same way, you can never be a creative on other people's terms. You need to define that for yourself and figure out what that means for yourself. And for me, like I finally consider myself a creative to a certain extent and finally find that finding that hobby that keeps me creative. And I think that's, that's really powerful, Alex. That's awesome. So you mentioned mentors before and how much they could impact your life and how you have to be really careful to find them. Um, So who would you say is like, one of your biggest mentors and how did you find them? And do you have like an experience where you went the wrong way finding a mentor and it did not work out well? I've been fortunate to have a few good mentors. Um, a few people taught me real estate. I'm incredibly thankful for them. One of them is still my partner um, out in Fayetteville, a guy named Roger Jackson. And the thing about mentors is they're easy to ha- they're easy to get when you're younger. So like really like get ahead of that because like now I'm 40, right? You don't feel 40. You don't look yeah. 40. I don't look it. I don't act it. That's not maybe a compliment to myself. Um, I, no, you're doing great. But you're, you're yeah, your prime years, man. But it's, yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree with that and I believe that, but it, it definitely gets harder to get people who, people want to, they want to invest in the young hotshot, not the guy who figured it out late. Yeah. I'll be fine. I'm just saying like, if you're young and you're listening to this and you're like, I got to find mentors, like go, go prove to the world. If you prove to people that you're a good investment, they will invest in you. It's not a trade of value. People say trade of value. It's not a trade of value. It's be a good investment, show up, like excel, use their time, you know, provide them a good return on, on their efforts for you. Um, I had some good mentors in the military, which is really hit or miss because you show up and you, you get what you get. Um, and I had some, some good mentors in real estate. And the one thing that it really took me a long time, and I still struggle with it because I'm a hyper loyalist is the goal of every mentor you have. I hate to say it this way, and maybe I'm wrong. Somebody would probably disagree with me. The goal for me of mentors is to outgrow them. So I look at people, I'm like, I want to learn everything you have. And then I want to be better than you or do better than you or do more than you. And so like, I have to learn from you and then I have to kind of surpass you, leave you. And that's a hard thing because a mentorship inherently is like a very, it's like spiritual yeah. sort of right it's it's intimate it's it's caring it's supportive and then you're like okay but see ya yeah right and and i don't mean that you have to like leave these people um but you definitely have to know when somebody has like it if you don't if you if you if you learn what a mentor has to teach you and then you like you everybody has a ceiling most people have a ceiling. Let's say that. I shouldn't say that everybody. For Most sure. people have a ceiling. And it's like, dude, if you get stuck with somebody that has a lower ceiling than you want, you can't, and you won't leave them. Like you can't, you're done. You, you've now put their ceiling on you. And so you have to look at somebody and say, I'm going to, I want to learn everything I can from you. But then also like, I want to become somebody that can do more. And any good mentor in the world is going to want that for you. They're going to want you to be yeah. better than, than they could be. Mm-hmm. That's why you got to find a mentor 
who has like an infinite ceiling, who's always trying to find a mentor <laughs> to mentor them. Josh, if you just talk that way to me and be like, I'm gonna try to outgrow you, bro. And it's like, you're never gonna be able to outgrow me, Josh. You're gonna be underneath me the whole, your whole life. That's just kidding. Yeah, bro. Just kidding. Just kidding. Yeah, you just created a super villain just now. Do you know that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bro. We're going side by side. No, we're going side by side. Nah, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Hell no. You got messed up. You I messed up. I messed up for myself. This is the no. last podcast ever. Yeah. Don't yeah. cut that. Don't you dare cut that. No. <laughs> I love you, Josh. Love yeah. you too, bro. But no, that's, I mean, it's so it could also be that as well, like a rivalry. And I think. I think that could be really beneficial as well. Yeah. I, the best situation is finding people that um, will help you, will bring you up and then will, you know, be accountable to you mm-hmm. for you. And like, we'll, yeah, compete. We'll grow together. Yeah. I mean, I, I was saying before the show, like the abundant mindset in the real estate community is sick. Like I've never seen anything like it. Not definitely not. I was a, I was a powerlifter for a long time. So not in weightlifting, not in like uh, banking, not in, any like car sales, like no other industry, not in the army, like nowhere else in my life have I ever been around so many people that are like, yeah, we're, we can all win and we can all do it together. And we can all do it with a good attitude. Why do you think that is? I, I used to think it's because it's sort of like, dude, I own my houses. You can't have them. There's nothing you can do to have them. And if I want more, I'll go build more. Like I don't, there, I, I don't know. But now that I've been in this industry for a while, I don't actually know. But there's nowhere else that I've been, at least there's nowhere else in the world that I've been that where people universally, almost universally act like this. Um, I have been to some, you know, smaller segments where people are, um, you know, we're at the top of the market. So there's a lot of posturing now. So there's definitely the, the vibe is changing a little bit. But for the most part, people are very, um, they're very growth mindset. They're very abundant mindset. And they're very much like you can too. And I'll help you. And I'll teach you everything I know. There's no, there's no freaking secrets in real estate. That's a, one of the things that makes real estate really interesting is, um, and why it's so boring is that the model is incredibly simple. It's a fixed, especially rentals, rentals. It's a fixed cost business model. Like I know what it's going to cost to own that property every month flat. It's not going to change. The only way to go is up. Like I, I there's no business model here. It's just like the rents yeah. basically higher than the expenses. We're done Buy it. Yeah. Rinse and repeat. So I think that, that simplicity allows people to maybe, maybe that affects their attitude or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. One of the big things that I hear when I go to these real estate conferences and how, you know, Atlanta is like one of the biggest wholesale slash flipping markets in the entire country. It's like turning into what Phoenix was and still is. And it's become hyper competitive. And what people are saying is that, um, no, I'm not afraid of them eating my lunch. If they're eating my lunch, that's my fault. I need to get better. I need to improve in these ways and they're exposing all my faults. I'm happy that there are competitors in order to make me better than who I was before. So there's like this healthy balance of competing, but at the same time, self-improvement within your your own personal life, within your own business life. And if we were just always comfortable and there was no competition at all, then there would be no excuse for us to get better. Yeah, that's a good point. I also think, I wonder if the internet is changing people because now like, you know, I, I, I don't, I sort of grew up without the internet. Does that make me sound old? Um, like now everybody has these cell phones. Like you can get, if, if you use your phone, right, you can get to really wise, like, you know, Gary Vee is a really great, like he's a tremendous, you know, blessing to our, to our culture. Cause he's one of the most optimistic people and he speaks wisdom and it's very abundant mindset. And like that guy's a monster on social. And so you don't really have to be in the entrepreneurial field very long to see these, these are mentors now. 
these are our like our so our, our cultural mentors and they have a really good attitude the the this sort of like um scarcity sales mindset this this competitive mindset i think is maybe a culture of the past and so i mean i'm spitballing i don't know but maybe that might be why like um why things are changing because the reality is th- this is like what 2010 the iphone came out this is brand new yeah it yeah. doesn't feel new it feels like i have i forget what it's like to not have one of these yeah right but it's brand new yeah so I, I we're, we're going through a cultural shift and I don't know how much that, um, that sort of thing affects, you know, people's mindset. Cause you're like, where do you learn how to do entrepreneur? Where, where do people learn entrepreneurship from now? Cause now everybody's an entrepreneur and an investor. It's very, very popular. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so like, where are they learning it from? They're learning it from people who, um, are on the internet that are really loud. And the ones that are louder are the ones that are generally good role models. They're really good. They're speaking a good message. And so I think that trickles down into like, oh yeah, it's not a competition. We can all win. So pertaining to your own like personal growth journey, like could you speak of what your experience inside the military, like what it taught you, how did you grow from that experience, and then what it felt like to be at the bottom, and then like what it felt like to like be on the rise, and how did you continuously have those mindset shifts? Because it sounds like you know you shifted your mindset literally five, six, maybe a dozen times. Who knows? Is that the point? Life, bro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm just. I mean, I'm brand new. I, I want to get better. I want to get better always. Um, so I was like 18, I was 120 pounds. I was at the bottom of my, um, my local social hierarchy. Right. Um, yeah, I was a loser and I'm five foot six and 120 pounds. I was getting beat up and I got a mouth on me. Right. (laughs) Right. I should talk. You're one of those dudes. Yeah. I'm like, bring it. And then somewhere along the way, I, um, this is a really fucked up lesson that I tell people. Right. So I learned along the way, you ever been in a fight? No, I was too, too, <laughs> too much of a pussy to be on a fight. You ever been in a fight? All right, I've been in a lot of fights. Lost almost all of them, right? I got a mouth on me. So I picked fights with people that were way bigger than me. And what I learned is, this is a really good lesson, right? I learned that you could, you could literally, you could almost knock me out, but you, that is, you couldn't shut me up. Yeah. I'm like, I just learned, I, I learned I can take a punch. And so I'm like, oh, I'll, I can really speak my truth forever because there's nothing you can do to shut me up. And so that was a very, that was a very like empowering lesson to learn early. I mean, you got to take a hit, but you get a black eye for a few weeks. It's no big deal, but you can speak truth with almost no permanent consequences. It took me a while to like use it powerfully. Like as a kid, I was just antagonizing people. <laughs> just right? to antagonize them? Yeah, yeah. To learn how far you could push somebody. Oh my God. So you were the bully. No, I was, um, I wasn't a bully. I was, I'm like an insurgent, right? I'm the like, hell a, is that? <laughs> like, a somebody who's trying to bring down the system, right? I'd be, I'm, <laughs> I'm like prodding, right? I I'm prodding, this, I'm pushing buttons, right? <laughs> I'm an antagonist. So, but okay. So the army, like they beat a lot of that out of me, right? Cause it's not, um, they don't do well with rebels, right? You got to kind of conform, which is good and bar- bad. Cause it brought me structure, but the army taught me like, um, I'll give you an example. So right when you get in, they ask you if you want to go to airborne school where you, you become a paratrooper. It's something yeah. like 20, 30% of the U.S. Army becomes a paratrooper. And it's, like, it's a big deal to us. You get a, a red beret, a maroon beret, and you go to different units. And I mean, you get to jump out of airplanes. I don't want to jump out of airplanes, right? Have you ever? Yeah. Yeah, bro. He's, okay, he's, let me tell the story. Let me tell the story. Let me tell the story. Bro. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but, uh, so, but I'm 18. I'm like, I don't want to jump out of airplanes, bro. I'm scared. I'm, I'm, I'm terrified of heights. 
right? I have a height phobia. I can't even go on a ladder. Like I can't, yeah. right? There's like a piece of paint up there that I got to touch up. I'm like, oh, it's a nightmare. I got to get on a ladder. This is so scary, right? I can't do it. But I'm like, okay, I'm 18. I joined the military. Like I did this thing that my friends literally looked at me in my face and they're like, you're not going to go to the army, dude. Just give it up. Like stop telling people you're going to do it. You're not going to do it. And so like, then I did it. And so now I'm here. I'm like, now, right now, now is the time to exceed what even my own expectations were. Meaning like joining the army is like one step in my gift, but how far could I go? Right? Could I have gone Ranger? Could I have gone Green Beret? Probably, but I didn't care. But that, at the moment I was like, I want to go to this, this, um, this airborne thing. Right. And so I jumped out of airplanes and, um, it, it turns out I, I did it cause I wanted to conquer this fear, but it turns out, um, with phobias, phobias are like a, it's like an bio evolutionary thing. Like you can't defeat a phobia. So I'm just petrified to jump out of airplanes. And then I was doing it anyways. And I hated every moment of it. Um, but it, <laughs> but it, uh, it taught me an interesting lesson. It's the same thing with the fights, right? It's like, you don't want to be fearless you want to be courageous in the face of fear. You know, you're going to be afraid of things. That's never going to, I don't know. I'm afraid of things all the time. And so the answer isn't like to go find things that you aren't afraid of. The thing is, yeah, I'm afraid of it. I'm going to do it anyway. And that's, that's what the army really taught me. And then by the time, you know, the army is a very simple life. It's very structured. It's very regimented. It's very, um, they manage expectations. Well, you sort of like in the first four years, you pretty much, especially if you deployed, like you got a gist of what you're going to get for the next 20. And I was like, yeah, I'm good. Right. It's not a meritocracy. You can't get better by trying harder. You kind of have to just, it's a, it's a time in grade. You kind of just have to do your 20 years and you'll get paid what you get paid. It's, there's really not much like deviation from everybody who's been in 10 years is like an E6 sort of thing. Right. It's, yeah, it's not exactly accurate, but it's pretty close. There's no way to get paid more than your rank. So I was like, I'm going to get out. And then turns out I, I, without the structure, that's when I just, that's when I just dawdled um, for a bunch of years. But learning sales was, was okay. It was useful. Um, but when I went to back to college in 2013, something changed. I, I picked up podcasts. I'm not like a lifelong I'm, I've been curious my whole life, but I didn't spend that much time on books and learning because I was arrogant, right? I was like, I know things. I'm smart. What do I need to learn? It sounds so, it sounds so silly, but a lot of people that do that way, right? They, you think everybody thinks they're smart, so they don't have to learn anything. And so I listened to the Bigger Pockets podcast and changed my life, started buying real estate. And I got bored of that pretty quickly because I was like, oh, I got it. I got the gist and now I'm just being entertained and I didn't want to be entertained anymore. I wanted to learn. And that's when I found books. That's when I found, I found books that my entrepreneur friends, I was like, what's, what's next? And they're like, well, read this self-help book and read this entrepreneur and read this motivational book. And um, motivational books are like, it's like mental masturbation, <laughs> right? It feels really yes. good, but it doesn't, it's not a thing. There's no like, there's no wisdom. There's no like, there's no knowledge. There's just, um, it's just hype. And, um, and so I started reading books that like people that, I don't know how I, I, I hate this thing. I'm so sorry, you guys. Um, I started reading books that my peers weren't reading and then I was getting value that, um, that I didn't know how to, that people couldn't, I couldn't relate to people because they weren't reading history or philosophy or economics or yeah. they were just reading self-help books. And so it really, that took me on a, those are some, you asked me about like pivot points. Like those are some big ones. Um, yeah, the books, the books were a real big one. Through reading, what did you discover are some of your 
big interests beyond like real estate or personal development? History. Economics is the measure of human behavior, right? That's all yeah. it does. It's you're, you're taking dollars and you're putting it towards human behavior and like, look, this is what the people are doing, right? And so if I want to be a good investor, if I want to um, live effectively in, our, in the world, then I kind of want to know what's coming. I want to know what's going to happen next in the world so I can prepare. Well, if I want to know what's going to happen next, both, you know, in economics and, and a lot of it nowadays, you know, we talked about politics off the show. Like if I want to know what's going to want to know what happens next in the world, then I need to know how people have behaved for the last 12,000 years. Yeah. Because people, they haven't changed. No. They're the same. And everybody kind of knows this, right? Yeah, people are the same. Why yeah. would they have changed? Except people don't know how they acted 5,000 years ago. So you don't know, like the patterns are the same. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't study it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to seem, seem like a surprise when people behave in the way they do. And so for me, reading history has taught me more about people and than, than, than any like self-help, any, any like business book. Business books are like highly... Um, how do I say it? Like anecdotal. It's like, it's your experience. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, one of my favorite business books is by a guy named Lee Iacocca. He, he's dead now, but he ran, um, he, he was in charge of, uh, he was a vice president of Ford in the seventies. And then he was, um, he became the CEO of Chrysler. He invented the minivan. He invented the Mustang. Yeah. Like back then he was like the business guy, mm -hmm. right. Before like the entrepreneurial age. Um, but like that business book w wouldn't really apply today because the culture is all different. But if you read history, if you read, um, anything from, you know, we talked about some of the books, right? Anything from the last century, you know, you can go Karl Marx and Leo Tolstoy, or you can go farther back and you can do the Stoics and you can do Sun Tzu and, and they're, they're saying a lot of the same things. Yeah. And when you start realizing, especially if you're an analytic type person who my, my girlfriend calls it, we, we collect data points. I'm like, I just want more information to re to confirm deeper things that I think I already know. And mm -hmm. like, and, and that sort of idea. And so when you start reading Things like, oh, I figured this out. And then it turns out I read something that they figured that out 2,000 years ago. Yeah. I'm like, okay, that's potent. That's yeah. something to that. What's so important about that? And so when I started reading history, I started to realize um, what is um, information and what is knowledge. Yeah. Right? What is like, you know, hey, that's useful for today. It's sort of like, you know, um, one of the popular things is Burr, the Burr method. Yeah. It's like, dude, that's not ancient. That's not going to last. Like, it's good for now, but don't, you have to learn something else because that time is going to pass. Something else is going to be the thing, right? If you, if you read business books and they don't talk about social media, it's like, dude, you're done. You sunk. The world changed. You have to be on social media to do all your marketing now. And so, and even then it's like, you can tell me Instagram and you can tell me Facebook and you can tell me um, Twitter and TikTok, but it's like, dude, in 10 years, in 10 years, half, I, I, I wonder if half of them will still be here and you'll have something yeah. else. You will probably all be in VR. Yeah. So, so is that what you're preparing for right now? VR? Uh, I don't know what it's going to look like, but it's coming. Yeah. 100% it's coming. Yeah. So it sounds like more of the things that you study is more of on the human psychology side and tying it to how does that affect the things around us or how does that affect the world and not so much like what was prevalent to that period of time, such as, I don't know, like TVs, newspapers, um, all these things are temporary and they only adjust to the time. So even beyond VR, we don't, we don't even know what can be beyond VR. Yeah. We live in a simulation now. Don't you know? We live in a simulation yeah. now. Yeah. Tell me about it. Um, uh, yeah, I don't want information that is, um, I only want the infinite, the universal, 
the forever. I want, I want like deep human universal truths because that's the stuff that gets you like, that's the stuff that teaches you how to live Mm -hmm. and like making money is sort of easy, right? I'll put it this way. Like making money, like you really only have to ride the, at the bare minimum, if you just ride the economic waves, you're going to do really, really well. If you participate in the market and then it goes up like it has for the last 12 years, it's like, you made a lot of money. And then if you like, you know, do that the next cycle, you're gonna make a lot of money. You don't have to be an entrepreneur. You don't have to be a mogul. You don't have to build an empire to do very well financially just by riding the waves and maybe, you know, trying a, you know, a reasonable bit, right? You don't have to go gangbusters. I'm not advocating against that. I'm just saying like, you don't have to, to do well financially. You just have to kind of participate in the, in the, the trend of the market. But none of that teaches you how to live a fulfilling, meaningful life, how to have good relationships, healthy relationships with your friends and family, um, you know, how to keep a family together, how to yeah. deal with, I mean, the unfaltering unfairness of life that, you know, the pain, the inevitable pain that's coming when, you know, friends and family get hurt, sick, things change, et cetera. Like none of the business books are going to teach you how to deal with the real problems of life. And so when I look at human wisdom, when I look at books that are old and I'm like, okay, this is what people are doing over history. These are the mistakes they make. And these are the things that they do to sur- to either survive or like get through those mistakes. And that's the things that I take. Um, that's the things that I try to find. Yeah. Because yeah, again, like for me, like making money is, it's not my super top priority. And I also find it to be sort of, sort of easy. Yeah. Yeah. Is there like a time period, maybe like the Stoics or like a certain group of people that you found that you almost aspire to, I guess, live the way they lived because they, maybe they figure it out life? No, no. I wouldn't say it that way. There's a couple of people I really like. I like a guy named um, Friedrich Nietzsche. I got a big pink neon um, sign in my office that says, become who you are from a book somewhere uh from a book called the spoke zarathustra um uh, i really like the 1800s mid 1800s russians dostoevsky and tolstoy they read a, they do a lot of um really really interesting philosophy especially because they knew sort of what was going to happen in the 20th century speaking of which i have a book club we're going to read crime and punishment starting in a few weeks you guys are more than welcome to join uh dostoevsky writes this book about the fall of the the incoming fall of the the russian empire in like 1860 and then in 1917, the Bolsheviks um, overthrow the government and install so uh, the Soviet Union. Where's this book club? It's, on it's online. Yeah, it's called the Great Book Club of Alexandria. <laughs> we meet on Friday nights. You're welcome to. Everybody is welcome to join. Yeah, we've been doing it all year. Oh, that's awesome. How many people do you have? Um, it's not that big. <laughs> it's, it's not exclusive. that big. It's not. It's not exclusive. What it is, and and you know what really it is is um people. Are, I'm going to say it straight up. Uh, people are intimidated because we read. We read books like Crime and Punishment. And people, again, they want to read business books. Yeah. And I get that. I also think, I'm sorry, like my personal bias is I think people are missing out on a ton of value because they can't see the ROI to it. They can't see the immediate ROI to it. Yeah. They're like, well, how's it going to make me money? And I'm like, dude, you're missing your, what's the return on life? Yeah. You know, you got to live. Once you have enough money, you still got all these other life problems, mm-hmm. morality. Yeah. So what are some of the things that you're continuously chasing after or striving in life or what are some of your challenges that you're currently working through today? Yeah. Uh, 
every single one of my problems in life is me. So the thing I've been, my kind of rant of this last few months has been um, the game of life is self versus self. And so I spend a lot of my time, um, I've been blogging about it, trying to write about it. And it's like, you know, a lot of this is, you guys are familiar with like all these mindset. This is what this podcast is about. It's, it's about like getting these new perspectives. But the reality is um, the most formidable opponent I have in the world is in my head, right? The guy that tells me that I don't have to go to the gym, small stuff like that, yeah. that I can call Uber Eats instead of cooking dinner, um, that I can slack off instead of doing my Duolingo or reading my, read my book or looking for deals or the, the, the voice that tells me I'm not that good, or maybe I'll be good later. Or, you know, any of these negative thoughts that I just can't, I don't know, everybody experiences the, their inner dialogue differently. So I, I can't speak for everybody, but I know there's a large probably portion of population that are fairly neurotic. And they're like, they have some roommate in their head. That's like, just so you know, you're a piece of shit. Right? <laughs> All the time. Yeah. 39 years of that it gets really old. And so that's the thing that, um, not that, um, not that I, uh, I, I haven't made a lot of advances in being able to like confront this, but now I'm spending a lot of time trying to articulate it because it's one thing to sort of feel, um, something that you're changing. It's another thing to be able to ex to express it. And then also to be able to express it like coherently and then maybe put it into a, a piece of uh, put it on paper so that somebody else can read it and get usefulness out of it. That's a very difficult process. Um, and so that's sort of what I've been thinking about most lately is trying yeah. to get that out. So what are you doing practically to overcome these challenges that you describe? It's a good question. Um, I think all the things that we talk about, you know, it's not, it, the, the question is, is the balance, right? I'm not going to be perfect. I'm going to slack off. I'm going to yeah. skip the gym. It's going to happen. The question is, to what level can you do it without the negative feedback? And uh, so some of it is like, I know that I need structure in my life. I don't do well with I don't like structure, but I do really well with structure. And so finding out how to create a good structure that, um, that I like and that I sort of get bored every 18 months and quit whatever I'm doing. And so trying to deal with these sort of, I believe that people should follow their like natural genetic personality, their biological personality. It's like, dude, you have things in you that are, um, they don't fit into the, the arbitrary nine to five box of, of the world or what other people want. And so it's like, find out what's really you and find out like where you're just being maybe in, immature or short-sighted and trying to, um, like, you know, so I'm trying to create structure, um, and then surrounding, obviously it's surrounding yourself with, with the right people. And, and it's very difficult to, to, to do that because that creates accountability. And that creates um, goals and it creates a little bit of competition. And yeah, so just trying to maintain good habits because it really comes down to like, it comes down to what you are, what you do every day. Yeah. And so it comes down to, you know, go to the gym, eat healthy, sleep well. Um, you know, every night when we sit down to dinner, we, we tell each other three things that we're grateful for. You know, that stuff, that, that, those traditions, that stuff matters. So I'm sort of rambling. I know that. I'm sorry. No, it's perfectly um, fine. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, dude, the game is long, right? The game, the whole game, yeah. there, there, there is no time where I'm going to beat this enemy inside. Yeah. That's not the point. The point is, at this point in my life, at least, um, you know, when I talk about it this way, I know that it sounds like, oh, Al, you know, I, 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 I wonder if it sounds like, oh, Alex has demons. But the reality is... Um, 
I'm much, I'm in a much, I'm in a position where I can actually help other people. Like I've sort of conquered the bulk of it. It's not, now it's more like where, at, where is your ceiling? Like how far can this thing go? Yeah. Um, based on what I, what I want, which is not always, um, you know, to be some big deal. I don't care. Um, but to how can I live my way yeah. to its maximum capability? And so I do a pretty good job of that actually. Yeah. Um, the question now is, can I articulate in a way that I can help the next person? Because if I, if I, if I understood, you know, my, the framework was self-help. The problem with self-help is there's all these fucking platitudes about like, you know, believe in yourself. You can do it. The sky's the limit. 10 X. Um, you know, it's like these, it's these platitudes, but it doesn't go to, it, it's just one framework. And so for me, I don't think about the world as like, oh, if you have a good attitude and you're optimistic, you, you can do well. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. But also like, dude, the world is unbelievably unfair. And whatever situation you were born into is the yeah. one that mostly dictates how your life is turning out. And you didn't get to choose that. And you probably didn't even figure that out till you were 20. And then you, and then at 20, you realize like, for me, like I said, um, I have this guy in my head that's just, he's just beating me down with negative he, he does two things. He does negative self-talk and he makes me do make bad decisions. And so I think about the framework of like, you know, it's a mortal enemy. Yeah. It's a mortal enemy. And so I don't want um, to do like motivation. I want to prepare people for combat, mm -hmm. you know, and maybe that's the army in me, but I'm like, dude, get ready. Like life is, life is tough. And the only way to beat it is to be tough. Yeah. No, that, I think, I'll, I think everyone has that. I think everybody has it too. And I just don't, I'm just not arrogant enough to say they do. Cause I don't, oh, no, I don't know how other people's I mean, brains I work. <laughs> I definitely have that. It sucks. Cause it's like, I'll be doing so good, so good, so good. And it just keeps coming back, keeps coming back. And it like, I don't think that'll ever be gone, unfortunately. But like, that's just the reality of, I guess, like my makeup as how, a human. How old are you? I'm 21. Yeah. It, it started really negatively affecting me when I hit like 35. Cause then I was like, Oh, it's so, it's so much, it's so much now. Really? Yeah. Because now it's like, it's now it's not, it's just, it's forever. Yeah. It's forever. And that is really, it's a kind of demoralizing because you're like, <laughs> it's not going to stop. Yeah. It's not going it to stop. Sucks. It's not yeah. going to stop. So like, was there uh, something that happened at 35 that like made you realize that or you're just. No, I don't know that. No, I just sort of got sick of it. And then I was like, um. You know, earlier I said like, oh, I was making these mistakes and like I got sick of them and so I fixed them. But there's not, you can't fix everything in life. That's sort of why I was talking about like, you know, the philosophy and the wisdom. Cause it's like, dude, there's things you can't, you have to like learn how to live in a world of unfairness, let's say. And so one of the unfairnesses is, um, I have friends that don't have no neuroticism. Yeah. Right. I have friends that like, they just do not worry about things. It's infuriating. They're cool as a cucumber all the time. I got a buddy in Las Vegas. He flips like 30 houses a year right? All on hard money, right? He does very well, but he's like always piss broke. It's all on debt. It's always like in these long projects, like it does not stress him out. I'm like, dude, I'm losing, I'm losing hair thinking about it. You know what I mean? He's got yeah. six, seven projects going on at once. Like he just doesn't. And you know, you know, Pineda, like that dude's got these big businesses. Um, it just doesn't stress some people out. Everything stresses me out. And so I just got a deal. And I think, you know, at some point I was like getting demoralized about it. And, I, and that's when I realized I'm like, okay, the framework for this particular problem is um, to accept it. Yeah. And, and it's sort of like the, the jumping on airplanes thing. It's like, okay, I'm going to have to confront this thing. That's why, I, that's why I think about it in terms of um, combat. It's not like there, 
my lovely girlfriend, she has like inner peace in a way that I will, I will never have. And she'll, she fucks with me too. She's like, here, watch this. She's like this. Look how easy. She's like, look how easy. She just sits there and makes fun of me. And I'm like, I hate you right now. Right. And she'll just sit there and she'll be like, it's a peace that surpasses understanding. She says that all the time. Yeah. Peace, <laughs> peace that, peace that passes understanding. Yeah. Um, I, I can't speak for everybody. I know a lot of people have some level of neuroticism, some level of like negative self-talk, some level of, even if you get better, yeah, dude, the better I get sometimes, the more neurotic I am. Yeah. She agrees. She's like, I'm like, I was less stressed out when I was an 18 year old broke idiot with no skills. How does that, mm-hmm. how does that track? That doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. Right. And so the, I, for this particular problem of life, I do not believe that like, you know, overcoming it and like this motivation to like rise above. I do not believe that that is the proper framework. I believe the proper framework or maybe my personal preference of framework is you need to become a warrior because you're going to wake up and you're going to do battle every single day for the rest of your life. And your opponent is formidable. Yeah. Your opponent knows everything about you. (laughs) You cannot turn him off. He is scary. And as you get better, so will he. How do you find peace knowing that your opponent is forbidden? I don't find peace. I don't even, I'm not even looking for peace. You're not even looking for peace. No, you're looking for, not. you gotta fight it. No, no, I'm a, no, I'm a warrior. It's the inner Oh my God. I'm, I wake up. It's the inner let's, bitch. Let's go to battle. Yeah. Dude, I, I just don't know any other way. I've tried it the other way. I've tried to be cool. I've tried to chill. I've tried to have a relaxing lifestyle. When I have a relaxing lifestyle, <laughs> yeah. I'm actually more stressed out. Because yeah, then in my head, wow. then, the, then the voice has more time to tell me that I'm not living up to my potential. Mm. When I'm busy, that's when it goes away. Actually, uh, also, uh, I'm a hyper extrovert. So, I, meaning like I'm off the charts, like 99th percentile mega extrovert. All of my energy comes from people. When I'm alone, I'm a misery. So, one of the things that I, what I, that I learned, and this is, and, and I'll get to this in a moment, like one of the things I learned is for me to be healthy is to be around people all the time. And so, you have to find out, um, same thing with the books, right? The wisdom, it's like, dude, find out who you are because- you know, some of the things, like some of the, the nerdy things, like the personality tests, they're pseudo-scientific bullshit with hints of universality inside them. And so if you can find out if you're an extrovert or an introvert, you can find out how much neuroticism you hold. If you can find out, um, you know, if you, um, like how you interpret data, you can, you can sort of curate your world to fit your unique personality. Because the more you know yourself, the more, the worst thing you can do is go build a life that somebody else built because you like incorrectly emulate them. And then you're like, now I'm miserable yeah. and I have everything I thought I wanted. Now I don't know what to do. Hmm. Right. Like that's a, I, I can't imagine like that's like the worst possible scenario. So yeah, that's probably, that's my biggest fear. Yeah. Tell me. Yeah. It's just working for something for so long and it wasn't actually what I wanted. And I, I think this, it's kind of not, well, for a while, I guess I didn't believe that you could just like pivot what you're doing for what, I guess for whatever reason I thought like, like if I go down this path, this is the only path like I go down, there's no turning back. There's no. And like, so I feel like that almost gave me uh like paralysis. Yeah. Where I was just like, like, Oh, this looks interesting. But like, is it interesting enough where I'm not going to be like, 50 years later, hating my life, miserable and unable to change. When I think in reality, like if that actually did happen 50 years from now, like I could just pivot. That's, I, I hate to say this. That's that, um, that's that entrepreneur 
culture, the hustle culture telling you like, do one thing, focus on it. Yeah. And it's fucking with your head, yeah. but it's hard to beat. I mean, it's, it's good advice if you're built for that. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a dabbler. I dabble in things. Right. And one day I'll have enough money to like, Hey, I have this like idea. I'm going to get it all set up. And then like somebody will hear you, you run that. <laughs> I can't. Right. But that's just the way I am. And so like dabbling is a really bad business strategy. Yeah. Really bad business strategy, but it is my identity. So, um, there's this book that I love, um, by my, uh, by this author who I, I I'm fat, uh, infatuated with called, um, the author's name is Nassim Taleb. The book is called the bed of Procrustes. This is a fun story. The bed of Procrustes is a, an inn in the middle of the desert. Um, run by, it's a bed, uh, an inn by a guy named Procrustes. And he's got um, one room with one bed. And the gist is, anytime somebody comes to sleep in the bed, if they're, um, if they're too short, he puts them on this torture device called a rack. You know what a rack looks like? They tie up your wrists and your ankles and it fucking stretches you, right? They used to use this in medieval torture. Um, it's, you don't live, right? <laughs> and so what he would do is he would stretch people out and so they, so they would fit the bed. Oh my God. And then if you were too tall for the bed, he'd start hacking stuff off so that you fit the bed. Okay. And the principle of the story is humans are, have natural variation in their, like, in like these organic sort of like, not just height, but personality, behavior, identity. You have an organic variation. You and me, we're different. We're different. Yeah. Not like holy, we're not different species, but like we're all a little different and we're going to interact with the world in different. We might all be entrepreneurial, but we're going to do it in different ways and we're going to succeed in different ways and we're going to want different things. And so the worst thing you can do is take these natural differences in people and try to fit them in arbitrary boxes. It's like school, nine to five, nine to whatever it is, like nine to three, bell rings, everybody learns the same thing. Terrible, terrible way to teach people. I don't learn in a classroom setting. I didn't learn that till I was 30. I do not learn in a classroom setting. Yeah. I love learning. If you put me in a classroom, I will fail. I won't go. Right? And so I say all that to say, the best thing you can do, dude, is like have have the the humility, the courage to be like, yeah, I know that's what all these successful people are telling me, but it doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to pivot. I'll go do something else. I don't care. And you can come back to it. Yeah. And like this idea that you're going to miss out on success because you didn't f- fuck that. Like you'll be ha- like you'll 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 get a lot better. I think you'll get farther in life by like following the organic mm-hmm. like what's right for you rather than what's right for some douchebag on the internet told you that you're supposed to do. For sure. Yeah. What do you feel like is your current north star? Like what are you following? Where are you trying to go? Who are you trying to be? Um, I'm trying to be me. Yeah. I don't want to be anybody else. There's definitely like people I who I like. Taleb is is one. He's a contrarian, right? Whatever you say, he's like find a way to disagree, right? He's very <laughs> against the grain. I love that. Um, so I'm very contrarian by nature. Um, you know, investors like Michael Burry, who predicted the the 08 crash, like those guys. I love those guys. Um, um, who's the um, Peter Schiff? Right? He's a lunatic, but even Kiyosaki <laughs> right now is um is gone way off the deep end. Oh, but but he's crazy. also very wise if you can get through his um. Uh, if you want to effort, if you want to do practice of signal versus noise, go listen to Kiyosaki. Cause there's a lot of noise in there, but there's, there is a lot of signal in what he's saying. Um, what do you mean by that signal versus noise? Um, Kiyosaki is not a doom and gloom doomsday predictor thinking the world's going to end. He knows we're at the top of the market and it's going to crash. And so he's like, the end is near. 
And then like when things crash, he's going to be like, the opportunity is upon us, boys. Let's go. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so he seems, if you're just watching him on a surface level, you're like, oh, that guy went off the deep end. He's like, yeah. no, he's marketing, he's selling, and he oh. is saying the appropriate message for um, the time because the market will, it will crash. And he'll be like, yeah, I've been saying it for five years. <laughs> yeah. So, my, and then buy my book. <laughs> and then, well, he's, he's selling a new book. Yeah. He's selling yeah. a new book. He came on our podcast um, uh, to sell his book. Yeah, he was just on Patrick Bet David's Valuetainment doing a speech for like twenty minutes, or they were somewhere. A rant. Oh, did you? Did you? See no, 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 no. But I just know him. Oh, right? no, I like, just know how he's like. It's just crazy, just going on for twenty minutes. Dude, I think that guy is. Um, you know, he's a really good example of. Um, we live in this culture where everybody says financial freedom, financial freedom, financial yeah. freedom. Well, I really want to make it clear that financial freedom is supposed to be actual freedom, yeah. right? Freedom to live the way you want to live. Freedom to spend the time on the things that you want to spend time with and freedom to say the things that you want to say because there's no, he's 60, he's filthy rich, right? Yeah. And he's got a big personality and he can say whatever he wants to say and he exercises that and people go, oh my God, he's like, you know, he says some, like he dabbles into politics, right? He, like yeah. dabbles, he dives right in, right? And he says all these like supposedly polarizing things and I'm like, dude, that's the dream. That's the dream freedom. is, to, that's freedom. And people go like, ooh, and I'm like, dude, there's people in this culture right now and we're seeing them that are, uh, and and this this guy doesn't help. This guy does not help, right? It makes people conform to what's uh, trendy and popular. So now people, are, I think, are very afraid to say um, things that are outside of the norm. And yeah. so I like Kiyosaki more now than ever. Um, he sounds like a lunatic. I don't agree with everything he says, but um, I appreciate his his approach. It's not, he pulls no punches. Dang, that's the first time I've been hearing that because I'm just like, the way that he speaks and sounds like a lunatic are things that make me not like him more, even though like, yeah, sure, he does like stand for freedom and he does speak out his mind and sure, we can like agree to disagree, but it's just like, sometimes I'm not sure how calculated he is with the words that come out of his mouth you know, in order to be received better. Right. Yeah. He's 60. I don't think he cares. That's yeah. True. Yeah. yeah. Let when you hit 60, he's three times, here's what's going to happen. Three times older than me. Yeah. 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 So, well, like, so here's what's going to happen in 20 years. Uh, hopefully I'll have Kiyosaki money and I got a mouth on me and the world will change the yeah. world. And the things that we talk about and what's acceptable to talk about 20 years ago is not the same that it is today. And so in 20 years, I'm going to say what I think. And I'll, People are going to be like, oh, Alex, he went off the deep end. And I'm like, no, I didn't change. You guys changed. Yeah. <laughs> right? If you yeah. th if you look back into our culture 20 years ago, Kiyosaki wouldn't even be a, like, he sounds like, like, like Carlin used to say stuff like this. George Carlin, old comedian, right? He was very much like a complainer, let's say, right? But he was one of the best comedians. Now he would never make it, right? The world changed. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I look, I, I'm not putting him up on any kind of pedestal. I mean, we just kind of touched on him yeah, and I, sure. and I wanted to make that little point, but um, yeah, I don't want to, to early ask your, to go way back and answer your earlier thing. I, I no longer look at anybody and go like, I want to be like them. I now look at more people and go, who do I not want to be like? That's a way more effective strategy, I think. And That's good. what yeah. happens is I narrow down, I whittle out. I'm like, here's the population of people. It's like, okay, well I got rid of 98% of them. So now I know what I really, mm. it starts to really narrow down. You're like, okay, what do I like? Oh, all these people I like, they're all contrarians. They're all like, 
the general gist is like my general opinion sounds so fucked up. The general opinion of, of life is like, okay, everybody but me is an idiot. So whatever everybody else is doing, I'm going to do the opposite and that'll probably be the, the way to go. And, um, that's not, <laughs> it's not actually that, um, arrogant, but like that's the sort of gist. And so I find people in the world that, um, that are, uh, contrarian by nature. It's not everybody, but it's some people. And the other one is, um, I think, as I said before, I think there's a there's a movement where um, the creative types and the entrepreneurs are going to start partnering up. There's people now who are hiring uh, videographers left and right. I think that actually has a really low ceiling based on um, what I know about videography and, and how much passion it takes and how much doing monotonous marketing type content is going to mm. suck the soul out of you. <laughs> right yeah right but 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 see but but and so like it's all jokes but like i'm sorry to say like one day um my man is going to go for the art not for the marketing yeah and you're gonna start over yeah do you know what i mean yeah and so what's going to happen and so that's not a that's not a that's not a reasonable like long-term proposition especially if he has skills right because he's going to get better and so what i believe is going to happen is the blend between the entrepreneur and the creative um, the partnerships, the deep partnerships, not hiring, not employees, but partnerships where like somebody like me, like I don't really like being on camera that much. I don't really, I'm good on camera, but I don't really care that much. I like putting other people on camera, something about it. I like making other people look good, feel good about themselves. And so you're going to find somebody like that, like that, that has a natural desire and a natural gift. Yeah. And then, and then the entrepreneur, like I do have that entrepreneur spirit. Where, like I'm going to go make something of this, something cool. And then I also speak the business language. So there's other people like out there that are like me and they're going to blend. And so I'm sort of, um, I'm sort of walking both of those lines right now where I'm like, dude, um, my, my two of my closest friends, we're going to start this new, um, we're going to go back to buying multifamilies. Um, I sort of 2022, I took this break, which is a really good time to take a break. It's a great time um, to take a break. I'm underwriting deals that make one fucking percent. So I was like, okay, I can, I'm not missing anything here. I'll go to, I'll go to Iceland. Um, but we're going to get back into that and we're going to blend it with the camera in a way that nobody else is doing or very few, nobody else is going to be able to do. And I think that is a movement that you're starting to see it now. Um, Pineda notoriously pays like $60,000 a month in video team, right? Yeah. And he's getting better. Um, but the the dynamic there I think is weird because he's definitively the boss. And, uh, you know, Harmozy, I think they sort of they have that, uh, I forget the guy's name. I know the guy that does their- um, McGinn, Ryan McGinn. Maybe. He's the guy that does all of their reels or their video. Yeah, that might yeah. be the guy. Uh, I've watched some content about him. Um, sort of like him, sort of like the D-Rocks. Like that, that genre of individual is common. Um, it's going to take a little time because as he knows, like the skill sets are, the language between entrepreneur and, and like, not just creative, but like understanding- frame rates, composition, lighting, like how to make a shot, how to tell a story with video, right? It's very different languages, mm -hmm. right? But mm -hmm. they need each other now, right? And, okay. the, and, the, and the content, the people, the real people, right? the, uh, excuse me, the, the, the videographers, like the entrepreneurs have all the money. You wanna make money with a camera? It's like, guess what? All the marketing entrepreneur people, they have all the money and they need you. Right. And so people are going to figure out, they're figuring it out now, but it's, it's coming. The movement is coming where entrepreneurs, I believe, and, and, and like video creators are going to partner in a way that has never been done before. So you mean like, I guess, partner in a way where the 
artists can tell their story through the entrepreneur doing whatever they do instead of just like the basic reels that are no that's a dude that what that didn't exist eight months ago yeah because, think about that the, the because, reels the the, the captioned reels uh-huh. that are real trendy they, yeah that, that didn't exist eight months ago it's not gonna think about the tre- like how trends on the internet work it's not gonna exist mm-hmm. or it might but it's gonna become it already is it's saturated nobody cares yeah, I, I don't say nobody cares, but it's like, dude, it's it's. YouTube did this. They did all these talking head videos. Here's how to buy real estate. Here's how to do all this education, right? But it's yeah. stale. It's the exact same reason why you guys don't do this podcast on Zoom because it's stale. Yeah, I don't want to see it. It's too. I need dynamic. I need a changing set. You need a creative. It's a state. You're doing this thing I'm talking about, right? Where you're like, I need a, a changing environment. Yeah, I need it to be dynamic. And so it's going to be like that, but imagine if you had two, three guys and they're doing like moving video, right? And you had a switcher board over there and it was live, right? And you had like creative, interesting shots. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like the yeah. blend between like, oh, I'm going to do a Facebook live, but as soon it's going to be like, yeah, I'm going to do it with a, with a, um, with an R5 Canon, right? With a high end Canon and I'm going to do it with a gimbal and it's going to look and it's going to look sick. And then we're going to, we're going to put B-roll on there and, and we're going to put music to it and we're going to tell a story and and we're going to do it in a way that it's just, it hasn't been done yet before. So I don't know how it's going to look from an organiza- organizational standpoint, but it's basically going to be like, it's going to be something like myself and an entrepreneur start a business together. Mm. And instead of having to like hire out marketing, you're like, no, you're going to go, you're going to hire out the, you're going to outsource like the production side of marketing where you're like, hey, post this. Yeah, I don't want to do that. The creative doesn't need to be doing that. The creative needs to be creating, but they're going to be like, hey, look, um, you want to start this company? I believe in you. I'm going to follow you around, right? I'm going to follow you around and I'm going to tell this story for you, but you can't hire me. I, I want 50% because now the ability to market your story, like what is a brand? A brand is a story. Yeah, so like the yeah. ability to tell that story on camera in a high degree, a very creative degree and engaging way is going to become, there's not, there's not going to be anything anymore. And there's not going to be anything more valuable than that. I've already been talking about this with Caleb, honestly. I yeah, was like, dude, bro, this is this is it. Like, you gotta leave your job. <laughs> I yeah, I mean, the problem is right now. Um, the problem is it's actually a it's actually a very high dollar value skill set, right? I don't know what you're paying him, but I know you're not paying him enough. Oh, easily. I know that. Yeah, <laughs> he knows it too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he knows it. Well, but it, no, but it's it's so weird because I talk to all these entrepreneurs, right? And like, they're starting to like pony up cash, but yeah. the reality is because the the marketing is so like it's such an abundant like dude you need to post three reels a day that's so much work yeah. it's so much work and then it's so much focus and then it's so it's so soulless to yeah. do like the same talking head reels every day yeah so what hap- needs to happen is like somebody needs to follow you around while you guys are working and create them on the spot and like tell the story ongoing throughout the day where it's like dude you can't afford that as a small business owner you can't dude i'm a couple of grand a day and then, uh, and then that's only for like, oh, you hired me for three, four, five days. It's a couple of grand a day. Okay, fine. The problem now is when you get somebody who's actually really good, like me, now you're, you want to buy my freedom? Well, now it's it, it prohibitively expensive. <laughs> so what's going to happen to avoid all this is they're going to be like, I'm going to give, I'm going to give Caleb equity. So like Caleb, you're going to scrounge, but like, we're going to build this company together. And now you have a vested interest in a way that nobody has, few people have done before. That's what's going to happen. I believe mm-hmm. Because the camera skill set is is getting getting more and more valuable, and like not even just the equipment, which is expensive, but also like you know how's your like gimbal work? 
how's your drone work like this this stuff is coming yeah right like the tools and the way to tell stories is evolving so yeah i think that is um that's sort of i'm walking both lines right now because i mean i still love real estate um we're gonna buy more multifamily in the southeast um but i'm never gonna give up my camera and I thought about it as just like a hobby, like a creative outlet. And now I'm like, dude, it's, I get calls every single day. They're like, you want to fly to Texas? You want to fly to Maui? You want to fly to Iceland? Do you want to come to Guatemala and tell stories for our entrepreneur, or for our group? Yeah, I will. Sure will. Yeah, that's wow. freaking awesome. Yeah. Sorry, that's a long rant. No, <laughs> no that was really good. And Caleb's going to be really happy. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's like just doing soulless work right now. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, I could definitely see it wearing on him. But I guess... My question would be, do you have any advice for like this media team in ways that we could make Caleb's job less soulless? Yeah. You need to learn how to use the cameras. Okay. Yeah. So what here, that's a really good question. So here's what's happening. Um, the entrepreneurs are like, I need a camera guy. I don't want to learn anything about cameras, the creative process, what the software that you don't know what that guy does. I, I'm willing to bet. You probably don't know like his process, what it takes, how long it took to learn. You don't know anything about that. But if he learned what you know, like about real estate and like that, it would help you out a lot. If you had him, you're like, okay. So like when I go on set, right? When I talk to, um, when I talk to people and I develop content for them, I'm like, don't say that because the investors aren't going to want to hear that. You want to say this instead. You want to talk this way because I know the language. And so I can bring a, when I, and that's how I get into rooms like the Maui mastermind, right? Because I speak that language and I'm like, okay, I know how to talk to this guy. I know your sort of field, right? If the entrepreneurs would learn a little bit about content production, cameras, then you would know how to use him better. Mm. Hmm. Right? And a lot of it is like, dude, everybody has one of these. Everybody has one of these. You can create content too, yeah. right? And some of it is like, do you know how to use the phone right? Do you know how to do the edit, like edits on the phone? Do you know how to make a composition, right? We spent 10 minutes making that shot, mm -hmm. right? We spent 10 minutes making that shot to make sure that it was symmetrical, lined up. And that's stuff that the entrepreneurs, they don't think about. They're just like, oh, I got the phone, I got the content. And I'm like, dude, you're missing the entire creative piece of it. And so I think that's, I think the, the creatives are never going to make more money than the entrepreneurs. Um, but until like the, the people who sort of find the way to blend both sort of languages, the best are going to do the best. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. It, it's happening now. Like you're seeing it with the, the, the captioned reels, right? It's high quality videos. They're framing them up. Um, but it's, it's, it's not going to last. I mean, I, yeah. I'm already seeing, I know some entrepreneurs that are doing it like, you know, um, YouTube's a much better example, yeah. right? YouTube, um, what's that guy? Ines, Ines, uh, the guy that does the high end luxury, um, uh, yeah, mansions, yeah, yeah, he right? Has yeah. Yeah. Dude, that yeah. guy has a production, like three team, like a three guy team of like, they are good producers. Now that's not like, it's not a creative, mm -hmm. um, I don't want to say any, I don't want to take anything away from those guys. It's not that it's not creative. It's their specific um, sort of vibe is high end luxury. So it's a very clean look, but they know how to compose a shot. They know how to color grade. They know how to timing and music. Like they are a creative team with a guy who's selling real estate, right? Then there's other people like them that are doing it. Um, but yeah, it's coming. It's coming fast. It's really interesting. When I go to I went, when I go to the wholesaling conferences, there's yeah. probably twenty other people with like personal camera people falling around. Really? Yeah. It's coming fast. Do you now, know who uh, Ben Mala is? Yeah, I do. How do you feel about that? Like is, is what he does like similar to what you think is coming or, um, dude. So like what you're, he's, he does a vlog. Yeah. 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 He does a vlog. Yes. 
but the but I don't know the relationship, right? I mean, you can you can pay somebody to do a vlog, right? But the ceiling is is way higher. The possibilities are way higher. Um, one of the best guys on YouTube is a guy named um, Peter McKinnon. You know Peter McKinnon? Yeah. All the all the video people know Peter McKinnon, right? He's the he's the guy. Go watch his content, right? Go watch his content when you're done. And when a, when a Peter McKinnon lines up with a Gary V, the game is over. Wow. That's that's going to be the where I think the future is going to go is we're going to have like somebody hyper creative that has a personality too, that can tell a story about like a a pair, a team, a partnership, and like we're going to build a company together. We're going to tell it on camera in a way that's like cinematic quality. Not just vlog, like, oh, I'm carrying a camera on, but like, no, dude, we're gonna like, we're gonna like. B roll and like super. Well, yeah, but also, yeah, B roll, music, but not just like, but like know how to story tell, tell an arc. Yeah. Right? What is the old story? Like, who are they? What do they want? Why can't they have it? What did they try that didn't work? And then how eventually did they overcome? Yeah. Like, you, storytelling, Mm -hmm. like um, indie movie creators mixing with entrepreneurs. Yeah. So are you currently in the pursuit of creating a relationship similar to what you describe as a Peter McKinnon to a Gary Vee? Um, yeah, there's been a few people that um, have wanted to hire me full time. But the problem is, again, anybody that the, the problem is, if you want a lackey, you can probably afford a lackey. If you want somebody who's going to be a partner, they can probably afford to tell you no. So like, it's hard to find. It has to be the righty, right, right one the right person. I've had a few people approach me. There's a chance um, our friend in Maui, Brandon, I might move out to to Maui and, and work with Brandon full-time, but I just don't know if that's the right fit either. Yeah. Um, I mean, working, going to hang out there would be a tremendous opportunity, but mm-hmm. it's not about, it's what we talked about earlier. It's like, I don't want to be him. I don't want to be that. Yeah. I want to be me. And so like, yeah. if I get out there, I'm like, this isn't really what I want. Then I have to be able to, to walk away and wait for the right thing. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm, if I have the talent to like reach that, I'm not a Peter McKinnon. Um, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that opportunity would be for me, but I, I do believe that's, that's what I see as like the sort of the future, whether it includes me or not. Um, yeah. I don't know. So how can we or anybody that we know help you? If you have an interesting story to tell on YouTube, uh, I'm always looking for somebody to, to go and film and put on camera and. I sort of do this interview, little interview styles. Although it's not a podcast, I don't usually put my face on camera yeah. uh, much. Some, but not much. Um, but yeah, if you got a if you got an interesting story to tell, you know what I should do is I should um, follow you guys around one day, and I'll do a. I'm going to do the behind the scenes of the traveling podcast. That's we'll what do, I'll do. Are you doing anything after this? You just follow us for. We're going to be here for like another three or four hours. I'm very expensive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, you want equity? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I said that yesterday. I said we'll trade. I will trade photo work for equity. Um, so one of the ways that I've been doing it. Um, here's a shoot. Do I really want to say this? I'm gonna give up like my one sort of like. Nah, I don't say it. No, that's fine. Um, there's an opportunity that I found with multifamily guys that need to raise capital, yeah. and so I go and do. Um, I do these little hype reels for their webinars. So like uh, when, when somebody's raising capital, like every week, every two weeks, they're going to do a webinar. Well, imagine if you had like a high quality video explaining the 10 most common questions and overview of the deal and introduction to all the team members, right? 
set to really great music, a really good display of the property, right? And you could play that for three minutes at the front of your webinar to raise money. Um, and then you wouldn't have to explain as much each time. It hypes the people up. So I've had a lot of success doing some of those for people. And um, I, my videos have probably helped raise like $50 million now across a couple of syndications. Um, wow. So I like that space. So if you have a syndication and you want to um, and you want to create a product um, for your investors that no one else in this industry creates but me, I guarantee that. And it's one of those things where it's like people don't know they need it because it doesn't, it, it only exists. I'm the only one that makes it. Um, but when they see it, and I explained to him, like, look, for a couple of grand, it's sort of like getting professional um, photos for your real estate listing. Yeah. You're like, I don't care if the place is a dump or not. You get professional photos because it's a representation of your brand, and it puts the place in the best light, and it doesn't cost that much. Yeah. Dude, after this, you got to show us what something Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah I'll show you something. Show yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we'll put it inside our show notes. Yeah, yeah. I'll like, show you something. You'll be like, okay, yeah, that's sick. Yeah, they're really cool. Dude, that makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of opportunity. Like, it's those things. It's those sort of things that... Um, they're coming. They're coming fast. Yeah, for sure. So, you know I mean, last I'm, remarks. So I, I guess like, besides people having to suit up for combat, yeah, um, and entrepreneurs having to partner with, well, in the future potentially partnering with camera people. Um, is there any other things like any advice you'd like to give? Um, to just. A person like yourself that I guess struggles with the voice in their head. Huh. Um, yeah. Blanket advice, dude, you know, read, write, go to the gym every day. You do those three things. Like you're going to be pretty much, you'll, you'll figure it out. Write What? Um, everybody writes something different, but if you write, it helps like writing helps you articulate the thoughts that you writing helps you get thoughts out. So you can stop thinking about them. That helps. Yeah. Writing helps you articulate thoughts that you have that you're like, I think about this all the time. It's like consolidate it. And then writing also helps you get thoughts out that you're like, oh, this is such a good idea. And then you write it and you figure out, you're like, oh, I don't know that idea as well as I thought I knew it. And so I'll abandon that idea or I have to reformulate it. And so it just helps you organize your brain and get stuff out. It also um, helps you communicate better. So writing makes you a better communicator. So yeah, writing and reading are like equal. You have to do both. Yeah. Um, whether it's journaling, whether you blog, whether you just write for yourself. I have, dude, I have a Google Doc list of, I have probably 20 books worth of, like wow. 20, wow. you know, 20 books worth of um, content that the world will never see because I just don't care. It's not for the world. It's just for like, what about, you know, what about this? Um, so yeah, read, write, go to the gym. Uh, take radical responsibility. That's like, that's a big one. Um, and, you know, pay attention pay attention to who you hang out with like you will become who you spend time with yeah and every day you hang out with people that you're gonna become like them and you know five years goes by real fucking quick yeah. <laughs> uh yeah but i mean those are like it, it sounds so cliche the generic advice but it really is like really like life it's like the ancient wisdom like it's not life is not complicated yeah um travel get out of the country you ever been to the country yeah, I've been out of the country. Yeah, where have you been? Been to Vietnam. But that was like before I was 10. I haven't traveled out of the country in my adult years yeah. yet. Uh, I've been to Costa Rica and Panama. Yeah. Yeah. Go see the world. You know, if you um, if you shook hands with every single American, 350 million people, 
you would have only met 4% of the world's population. I have no idea. Yeah. The world's a huge place. Like, um, getting a big perspective, it makes for a very healthy, um, makes for a very healthy existence. Yeah. Yeah. I'm rambling. I don't have any. I didn't have a good answer. So I'm like, eh, here's no, some, I mean, here's some, here's some decent answer. stuff. Yeah. That's, that was good. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, you touched on it before, but like, there's not a whole lot of like, a lot of these things are like reoccurring. And it's just like, I wasn't really expecting something brand new that I never heard. And I don't think there really is anything to it. It's all like basic things. And if you follow it, then like, you should have a good life. Yeah, uh, a lot of people like you know the Stoics are really popular right now, and they have some pretty good. They have a good like sort of. Um, what did this guy Vitali? I just read. I just read his book, Soul in the Game. Vitali uh, Katzenessen. I had him on a podcast. That's a great book. Check that book out, Soul in the Game. Um, but he was like, he he really likes the Stoics, and he's like, dude, it's just like a. Um, it's like a rule, a guidebook for life. The Stoic, the Stoic way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not my favorite way. I I sort of. Um, I'm not a religious guy, but a sort of like old Testament sort of like principles. And, and you know, what's funny is that so many people that think they have figured things out, but they don't know history. Don't realize that they're spouting off things that people have humans have known for four or 5,000 years. Uh, Gary V is a perfect example of this. Like (laughs) a lot of what he spouts is like old Testament Judaism, Judaism. Yeah. Right. He's like, life is unfair. Suck it up. Right. The only thing you can change is you. I'm like, that's, that's biblical. Yeah. But you know, he doesn't know that, but, (laughs) but, but, but when people hear that, they're like, Oh my God, that's good advice. Right. As you were saying, you're like, these are these ancient sort of like, you know, that's funny. You say that because I started like getting into, I guess, reading self-help books and uh, personal development. And then I started going to church again and I was like, wait a minute, this is all the same shit. Same shit. (laughs) Yeah. It's people who, this is my, again, my problem with uh, sort of self-help is it's people who haven't read that are now teaching. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And so, um, yeah, there's a lot of teachers in the world these days. Really, it's very frustrating. You're, you get on TikTok and you can learn from any moron 20 year old with a TikTok and they'll teach you, they'll be happy to teach you something that they don't know about. Right. And so we learn from memes and we learn from headlines, sound bites, and we learn from TikTok and we learn from um, the hilariously underfunded public school system. Right. 25 year olds teaching kids, teaching kids. Go read something written by an adult from 2,000 years ago that has stood the test of time, and you'll find out real quick why. Like, how many books didn't last 2,000 years? Yeah. How many books have gone out of print? Almost all of them. Only a handful stay stick around. And so if you can find a book that's like 100 years older, 100 years old or older, like usually what's in there is like hardcore valuable. For sure. Yeah, do that. So if people were to you know, get a hold of you, reach out to you, talk to you more about content or media or the things that you have talked to us about. Yeah. Okay. How can they get a hold of you? Um, I think Instagram is probably the easiest way nowadays. Yeah. Alex Scott Felice. That's awesome, man. Easy. If you want to hear about my real estate journey and like a lot of other stuff, I have a website called broke is a choice.com. Um, and so I've been writing on there for a long time. And I have all my real estate deals and I have a lot of mindset stuff. Um, I haven't really updated it that much. I think I'm going to change the name of it, but brokersofchoice.com. Uh, if you're a military active duty or veteran service member, I have a podcast called Military to Millionaire. Um, oh, that's you? Oh, you're that guy? Do you know the Military to Millionaire? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm the co-host, yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Really? Dave Perret, yeah, he's my co- He's my buddy. 
I didn't even realize who we were interviewing today. Yeah. <laughs> Are you fucking with me right now? <laughs> um, yeah, I do a lot of stuff, so I'm easy to get a hold of. I'm happy to talk to anybody, help if I can. Oh, thank you so thank much, you. Alex. I really appreciate Dude, it. Dude, thank you guys. This is fun. This has been the Not Genius Podcast. Signing out. Peace. Peace.